seated in the name of the Lord this morning. Thank you for uh, being here tonight. And uh, we're going to continue our series this evening on the subject, the seven pillars of wisdom, the seven pillars of wisdom. And uh, this uh, study, of course, is based out of the book of Proverbs and also out of the book of James. So I, I will invite your attention to the book of Proverbs and we will look at the ninth chapter of the book of Proverbs and and uh, we will provide a, a uh, recap, if you will, of last week's teaching uh, that, that set us on the path for addressing the second pillar of wisdom. The first pillar of wisdom is uh, found in James chapter 3. But in Proverbs 9, the Bible describes how that wisdom hath builded her house in verse 1. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. She hath hewn out her seven pillars. This is a very important uh, number in the word of the Lord, seven. It does reflect completeness. It reflects perfection, wholeness. And so when the scripture teaches us that wisdom hath built her house, that wisdom hath hewn out her seven pillars, it's describing completeness of wisdom and wholeness and perfection of wisdom. This is different from the wisdom of this world. There is a wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of the world is actually foolishness. To the world it is wisdom, but it is actually foolishness. And it is important that you remember that. Because if you don't remember that, you will end up buying into the wisdom of this world, thinking that you are buying into something that is worth knowing, worth applying, worth living by, when in fact you are, you are stepping into uh, the, the, the devil's snare. And so the Bible says something, for instance, in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And, and many people do, in fact, walk in the counsel of the ungodly. They will seek the ungodly for counsel. They will ask the ungodly, what should I do? Uh, what direction should I take? If they admire a person's success in a particular field, then they may see that person as a mentor or see that person as someone that they can glean from, learn from. But when a person does not have God at the center of their life, then they are, of course, uh, someone you need to be suspect as far as taking uh, wisdom from because the wisdom of this world is actually foolishness. And the wisdom of God to this world, the wisdom of God is foolishness. So you'll talk to somebody in this world who does not serve God. Perhaps they don't believe in God. And they'll look at the way you're living your life and say, that's crazy. To them, it is crazy in their mind and their thinking. That's because they bought into the wisdom of this world. Uh, but, but the scripture teaches us to let God be true and every man a liar. And so we trust in the Lord and we put our faith in the Lord. And there are... Seven pillars, the Bible says, that have been hewn out by wisdom 
And we find those pillars in James chapter 3. And we're going to read those. James chapter 3. And we'll go ahead and begin reading at the uh, 13th verse of James chapter 3. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but this wisdom is earthly, this wisdom is sensual, and this wisdom is devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now that does not make sense in our world. Our world actually promotes envy. Our world actually promotes strife. They promote it in the way that they advertise a thing. They promote it in the way that they motivate people to, uh, to attain unto certain uh, ideals and objectives. There is a great deal of envy emphasized in the way that the world conducts itself. But that is an earthly wisdom that is also sensual, which means it is based on the earthly senses, seeing, hearing, tasting, and, and then it is a devilish wisdom. And so where that exists, there is confusion and there is the possibility of every evil work. That's why evil can crop up out of what looked like a normal situation. And you're wondering, how in the world did that happen? I thought those folks were normal. Well, they actually were normal. But the Bible says concerning the heart of man that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. The heart of man cannot be trusted. The heart of man cannot be trusted. The heart of God can be trusted. And when the heart of God redeems the heart of man and replaces the heart of man with the spirit of the Lord, then that individual is, is trustworthy. And so, so we look at this and understand that, that we do not buy into the wisdom of this world. We need the wisdom that comes from God. Verse 17, the wisdom that is from above. And we, we learned last week that, that wisdom... The Bible says, to us, Christ is made wisdom. Jesus Christ is made unto us wisdom, redemption, sanctification, and righteousness. So when we speak of the wisdom of the Lord, it is, it's not just, sometimes when we think of wisdom, we think of wisdom as being this uh, you know, this general awareness of what we should do in a particular set of circumstances. Oh, I need wisdom in this. Well, that's true, but it's deeper than that. It's not simply a general awareness of a thing, but wisdom actually is derived from the purpose and the providence and the plan of God, which is specifically God manifest in the flesh as Jesus Christ. That is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God is to save the world. The wisdom of God is to redeem the world. The wisdom of God is to reconcile the world unto himself. The wisdom of God is to save us from what we allowed 
ourselves to become and give us what he always wanted to give us, which was life everlasting with him in glory. That is the wisdom of God. And so this is why a lot of people can focus on things that have nothing to do with eternity, that have nothing to do with salvation, that have nothing to do with redemption in their life. And those things are foolish because those things come and they go as quickly as they arrive. But when you seek things that are eternal, then you are practicing wisdom. If you're focused on what can get you through in the short term, that's foolishness. If you're concentrated on, on what is going to last for eternity, that's wisdom. If you're concentrated on a relationship that does not reflect the eternal God, so it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish, that's foolish. But if you're concentrated on a relationship that's based upon the Word of God, founded upon the Word of God, and it reflects something holy and eternal, then you're practicing wisdom. And so Christ is made unto us wisdom. The Bible says this about the earth in which we live. By Jesus Christ, all things consist. By him, all things consist. That word consist is where we, it's where we get our word consistency. You lack consistency in your life when you don't realize that Jesus is the glue that holds life together. You lack consistency. Things are erratic and sporadic. Things don't make sense. Things are lopsided. Things are out of balance. They're out of whack. When we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto ourselves, this body is going to pass away. The cravings of this body, they're going to pass away. The things that this body desires, they're all going to pass away. But what I do for Christ will last forever. It's an old song that said, only what you do for Christ will last. you got to believe that. Only what you do for Jesus Christ is going to last. It is hard sometimes for people to realize how fast and how fleeting time really is. But you think about it for just a moment. Think back over your life at a time that doesn't seem too far past, and yet years have actually passed. Amen. I saw a picture of a family member the other day, and, and uh, Anna was showing me a picture of a little cousin that she had her picture taken with. And uh, it looked at the date, and the date was 2004. And here the little baby was brand newborn. Just a couple of months later, we arrived in Cincinnati to pastor. Now that little baby has grown up and is a, a full-fledged teenager. And I thought, well, my goodness, how did that happen? Because that wasn't that long ago. And I mean, I've not changed hardly at all. And, but, but almost 14 years have, have passed. And, and, and time flies. Folks, you don't have time to spend your attention and your focus on things that are temporal. All of this is going to end quickly, and it could end more quickly than what you imagine. We all imagine ourselves growing old. None of us are guaranteed that. We all imagine ourselves just living life until it concludes, and it could conclude prematurely. 
and you will have spent time focused on the wrong things. And so don't focus yourself on envy. Don't focus yourself on pride. Don't focus yourself on lust. Don't focus yourself on the things of this world that will, in fact, pass away. But, oh, build your hopes on things eternal. Build your hopes on things eternal. The wisdom that is from above, it is from above. That's a reference even to to Christ, uh, God being manifest in flesh, becoming our Messiah, becoming our Savior, becoming the only begotten Son of the living God. Wisdom from above, that's a reference to the incarnation. God coming from above into the form of a man. Hallelujah. And being obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thank God. That's a reference to that descension of God. Wisdom from above is first pure. Wisdom is first pure. Jesus Christ and the purity of him, the purity of his message, the purity of his life, the purity of his gospel, the purity of his of his uh, dealing with people, the purity of himself upon that cross, the the fact that he's the Lamb of God. Wisdom is first pure. Wisdom has the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Wisdom is based upon Jesus the Christ. So, so in order for wisdom to truly be established in your life, it has to first be all about Jesus. If the wisdom you're seeking is not all about Jesus, it's not wisdom at all. If the wisdom you're seeking is not all about Jesus, then, then you're on a wrong kind of a platform. It doesn't matter, ladies and gentlemen, who it is that you are seeking counsel from. Jesus is the wonderful, the counselor. And it doesn't matter what field of business you find yourself seeking to to succeed in. Jesus has something for you. If you'll follow his principles and his teachings, you will succeed in whatever venture that you try in life. When you look at the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord is filled with everything you or I need in life. This book will tell you how to be saved. This book will tell you how to uh, live abundantly on earth and in eternity. This book will teach you, ladies and gentlemen, how to treat your neighbor, how to treat your parents when you're a child and when you are an adult. It will teach you how to treat your children. It will teach you how to treat your enemies. It will teach you how to handle yourself at work, how to treat your employer or your employee. That's all in the Word of God. This book will even tell you how to dress, how to eat. This book will tell... Somebody said, well, I don't know if, if we should follow what the Bible said about eating or not. And somebody said, well, no, we don't necessarily have to. But they did live 900 years when they did it. You know, so that's a selling point. But the fact, the fact is, what I mean to tell you is that this book contains everything you need. And then people are simply not familiar with it. And it's, it's very easy for people to read a portion or a passage, get it out of context, and decide it's not for them. But when you rightly divide the word of truth, the wisdom that pours from these pages will establish a slab of, of spiritual truth under your feet, and nothing will be able to shake you. 
you will have peace, you will have joy, you will be, you will be at peace. have a clean conscience before God you will be at peace with your neighbor you will be at peace even yes with your enemy hallelujah the Bible gives us wisdom but it is first pure it first comes it comes from Jesus so before anything else you've got to get that right it is first pure it is Jesus 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 once you understand that wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is made unto us wisdom. That is our guidepost. That is our guiding light. He is the light of the world. He is the good shepherd. He is the bread of life. He is the water of life. Once you get that he is your all in all, then you can move on to the next pillar. Then in verse 17, wisdom strengthens. There's another pillar that stands up under your life and supports you. And that next pillar is peaceable. Peaceable. I love love that word. It's it's different than just peace, and it's different than even peaceful. It's peaceable. It means able. Peace is able. If wisdom is first pure, then peace is possible. If wisdom is first pure, then peace is possible. You are able to have peace. You are able to keep peace. You are able to make peace. Hallelujah. Peace is something that the whole world is seeking. Peace is something that everybody wants. As a matter of fact, the, even now our world has been all abuzz about the possibility of the Korean Peninsula of becoming denuclearized and a, a decades-old long war possibly coming to a conclusion. The world is desperate for peace. It actually makes even the nation state of Israel uh, perhaps vulnerable to the Antichrist because they long so much for peace that they, they are willing to, to, to give up anything and so much in order to have peace. People want peace. And here's what they forget and what they don't understand. Peace is not just a state of being, but peace is a person. Ephesians 2 says, Jesus is our peace. So so trying to have peace outside of Jesus Christ is, is actually vain and it does not work. Jesus is our peace. Can I just really quick remind you about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can I remind you that God, the almighty God, the eternal God... The living God, the one true invisible God was manifest into human flesh and that he took upon himself the form not of a king but of a servant. And he was the king of all kings, but he was the king of all kings as a servant. That he was obedient and he was obedient all the way up until he died and he died the most gruesome of deaths the death of the cross and he did that for you and he did that for me and that his blood washes the sins from our life this is the gospel of jesus christ and when he died he did not stay dead but he rose from the dead and he rose triumphant over death hell and the grave that is the truth that gives me peace 
When I understand that wisdom, that first pillar of wisdom is pure because it's nothing but Jesus, then I'm able to step into the next pillar, which is now that I understand Jesus paid it all, now that I understand he's my shepherd and he's the lamb and he's the door to the sheepfold and he's the scapegoat, upon which all of my sins were placed and he took accountability for them. Now that I understand that he is the first and the last, the beginning, the ending, now that I understand that he made the difference in my life, now all of a sudden I'm able to have peace. I'm able to have peace. And let me tell you something about the peace of God. It's a different kind of peace than what you can have in this world. There were those who, who attempted to have peace, but they thought they could have peace by rolling up a, some kind of a, of a weed and smoke it, and that would give them peace. And they thought they could take some kind of a chemical and inject it into their system, and for a little while their mind could escape reality, and they thought that would bring them peace. But they could never get enough and, and overdose problems began. And, and so the generation who said peace to one another ended up experiencing destruction because though their desire was peace, they never could achieve it in this world. You can't find it in this world. You can only find it in Jesus Christ. There isn't, there, isn't, there isn't one business in this town that is licensed to sell alcohol that can, find, can provide you anything from a bottle that will provide the peace that for which you are looking. You can only find it in Jesus. You won't find it in a bottle, but you'll find it in the Bible. Real peace. Not of this world, but hallelujah of God. John 14, 27 or 26 but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth. Hallelujah. Give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Understand, he does not give you a peace as this world provides peace. He gives you a peace, hallelujah, that passes all understanding. This means, let me explain what this means. This means his peace can come to you whether or not you are in a peaceful set of circumstances. You can be in the middle of a storm of life and God can speak peace into the middle of your storm. How many have ever experienced the Lord do that for you? While, while all hell is breaking loose around you and problems are developing and crashing in on you in a way that you don't know how in the world you're keeping your sanity, but you spend just a little while with Jesus. You call upon his name. The old song says, just a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about your troubles. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. Hallelujah. That's the peace of the Lord. It come to you in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing. Whatever it is that you're fearing. Stop fearing and start praying. Stop worrying and start worshiping. 
Go to him and say, Lord, I need you, and I need you now. I need you to speak peace into my spirit. I need you to speak peace into my mind. I need you to speak peace into my marriage and speak peace into my home. You are able to have peace when you understand that peace is a person and not a feeling. Feelings come and go. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. If, if, you're not, if you're not tuning your mind into spiritual things, such as prayer, such as worship, such as the Word of God, if you're not tuning your mind into those things, your mind will be stretched beyond the ability to have peace. If you're not doing nothing but watch the news and you're seeing all that bickering and fighting and and so much strife on 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 the on the world stage and in our nation and if that's all you're watching all you're thinking about and all you're dwelling on it's no wonder that you're terrified of everything worried about everything depressed about everything you've got to keep your mind on the wisdom that is first pure and if you'll keep your mind on wisdom that is first pure notice what James 3 said it said Wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable. It doesn't say wisdom from above is first pure and peaceable. It says then it is peaceable. Because if it's not first pure, it's not peaceable. It has to first be pure. And then, and only then, can it become peace to you. So if it's, if wisdom for you is diluted, if it's, if it's, if it's, mixed in with the wisdom of this world then you're going to have a hard time really finding the peace that you're looking for you have to be sold out to Jesus you have to believe on him believe in him put your faith in him believe that his blood has the power believe that his name has the power believe that the name of the Lord is a strong tower that you can run into it and you can be safe and ladies and gentlemen you'll have peace Glory to God. Hallelujah. You'll have peace. Isaiah chapter 26 tells us a little something about peace. How many want peace? You can go. I'd love to see a show of hands. Make sure we're all on the same page. Who wants peace? You want peace in your home? You want peace in your mind? You're tired of worrying about everything? You're tired of stressing about everything? About all of of the possible outcomes? You've got a, B, C, D, E, F, G, L, M, N, O, P, X, Y, Z, that could go wrong. And here's the thing about worst case scenarios. We, we all dread them and we all are terrified that they could develop. Oh my goodness, what if this worst case scenario developed or that worst case scenario developed? It's good to plan, but it's not good to worry. Plan for the future, but don't worry about the future. Amen. Plan for the future, but don't worry about the future. Have a God-led plan and then put it in the hands of God and say, I'm going to trust the Lord with this. Because here's the thing. Most of the time, a worst-case scenario does not develop. Most of the time, a worst-case scenario does not develop. And if a worst-case scenario does develop, you find that some miraculous way, the peace of God covers you. So you worried in vain. Isaiah chapter 26. Notice what the word of the Lord says. In that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation. Everybody say salvation. Salvation will God appoint 
for walls and bulwarks. Now that word salvation in the book of Isaiah, all throughout the Old Testament, it, it, it's, it's translated like this, Yeshua, which means Jesus. So, so literally, Isaiah is saying, we have a strong city, Jesus will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. You know the walls and the bulwarks around my mind is Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me explain to you what I mean. See, Jesus paid it all. So, so when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, oh, I wish I could preach this right now. The Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall raise up a standard against the enemy. Can I tell you that the, you know, we picture that as being a flood comes in and then God, oh, oh, here comes the flood. Somebody go get the standard. Did you get it? You don't know where it is. Well, who knows where the standard, that's not how it works. The standard has already been raised. He was raised on Calvary's hill of sorrow. And when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord has already raised up the standard against the enemy. He is lifted up. He is exalted. He is adored. He is lifted high. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Hallelujah. So Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, the ministry of Jesus, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus has surrounded my mind as walls and bulwarks so in order for fear to creep into my mind it has to somehow move past the impenetrable wall of Jesus loves me somehow in order for worry and depression to get into my mind it has to slip past the guard of Jesus is my salvation and my light and my lighthouse and my strength and my song hallelujah and my wisdom and my redemption that's all around my mind salvation God has appointed for walls and bulwarks and then he says open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in thou wilt keep him in perfect peace hallelujah whose mind whew, is stayed on thee. Now, now, I want you to understand this, folks. God will keep you and I in perfect peace if our mind is stayed on him. And there's a reason why he can do it. Because our mind being stayed on him results in something and it results in what is stated next in verse 3 because he trusteth in thee as my mind stays on Jesus I start trusting Jesus I stop trusting Jesus when my mind is on other things so remember that when you get up tomorrow morning and the first thing you want to do is turn on the news I'm not saying you shouldn't know what's going on in your world but your mind needs to be on Jesus and if you feel something pulling your mind off of Jesus, you need to, you need to, you need to scurry on back over to Jesus. And, and you need to say, Lord, before you enter your workplace, you need to say, God, keep my mind stayed on you. Keep my mind in perfect peace. Help me to focus on you, Lord. Help me to keep my mind focused on your love and on your power and on your gospel and on your grace. Hallelujah. And when you'll keep your mind stayed on him, he will keep you in perfect peace. It's not your responsibility to keep yourself in perfect peace. It's your responsibility 
ability to do everything you can to keep your mind on Jesus. And if you'll do that, God will respond by blanketing you with perfect peace. Hallelujah. Oh, my, 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 my. And, and, and it will be possible because you trust in the Lord. You can have peace. I rebuke the devil that's lying in your ear right now telling you that this is true for others but not for you. You can have peace. The wisdom from above is first pure. Then it is peaceable. Then you are able, hallelujah, to have peace. It is God's will that you be in perfect peace. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 9. This is a part of the great Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5 and verse uh, number 9. There's so many beautiful things. I'll go through some of them. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that are the meek. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Here it is. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. Now let me ask you something. Are you a peacemaker? Be honest. You don't have to raise your hand. Don't, please don't actually. I don't want to see a great disparity between those who said, I think so, and others like, uh-uh. Everybody in my row, no, that's not true. But you got to ask yourself, am I a peacemaker? Do I enjoy seeing peace come into a person's life? Or am I a troublemaker? We've all had moments where we're troublemakers. We've all had moments where we stir things up and, and then have to repent of it later. The Holy, Ghost, the Holy Ghost will deliver us from that. The Holy Ghost will rescue us from that. Don't go around trying to stir up strife. Don't go around trying to stir up trouble. You know, the Scripture even says that the Lord hates a sower of discord and that a sower of discord is an abomination to him. You know, the Lord opposes a sower of discord among the brethren. So, so that's in, that's, that includes the church, that includes a family, that includes your workplace, that includes wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen, and, and you have an opportunity to promote peace, and you have an opportunity to promote the unity of the Spirit, but instead you are choosing to, to be a rebel-rousing troublemaker. The, the, you know, there is a... There is an opposition that comes to you from the Lord himself. Be a peacemaker. Now, that doesn't mean that you are a pushover. Sometimes a peacemaker uh, cannot operate in that role. It doesn't, it doesn't require that you are everybody's doormat, but it does require a humility. It does require a meekness. It does require a gentleness that comes from the Lord. Hallelujah. And so when the Bible says that the peacemakers are blessed, Notice that word, peacemaker, not peacekeeper, peacemaker. We're not just anointed to be peacekeepers. We're anointed to be peacemakers. The difference is that a peacekeeper steps into a situation where there is peace and they maintain that peace. But, but that's not who we are. We step into circumstances where peace does not exist, where strife exists. And we walk into that with this pillar in place. Wisdom that is from above is first pure. That's the pillar we walk into when we, 
that we have as we walk into a situation where there is no peace and where strife exists. We step into that situation with one pillar in place. The only wisdom I need is the wisdom of Jesus Christ. So we do. That's when we ask ourselves a question. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And he, he shows us what to do. He teaches us how to, how to live, how to, how to die. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to treat our friends, how to treat our neighbors, how to treat our enemies. He teaches us how to treat those who are, are less fortunate than we. He teaches us how to reach out. He teaches us how to preach the gospel. He teaches us how to care for those who are in need. Jesus shows us exactly how to live our life. He went on and on saying, he said things such as, when you go into a feast, don't seek the greatest seat in the feast. Because, I mean, that sounds simple, but it's come in handy for me many times. He said, it's one thing to get invited up to the higher seat, but if you go in and you assume the higher seat, and the master of the house has to come over and embarrass you in front of everybody and say, actually, that's not for you. That's designated. It's reserved for someone that we deem more important than you. And then you have to walk off of the, off of the high seat that you you felt entitled to sitting in. Jesus said, don't do that. When you walk in, you walk in with humility and then let the master of the house invite you to a promoted place. It's amazing that, that just that simple little basic pragmatic act, how much peace that promotes. I've seen people take the high seat and folks look at them like, who do they think they are? Taking the high seat. And, that's, and, 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 and peace is promoted when we aren't feeling entitled to the high seats, but that we come in with humility. Look at the way, look at the way in which Jesus ministered to his disciples in washing their feet. They said, who is the greatest of all? And Jesus said, well, the, 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 the greatest is the servant. whoever is the greatest of all is the servant of all. And so the greatest of all of those who were in that room or in this room or any other room grabbed a towel while they were all bickering about who should be washing whose feet. Jesus said, all right, fine. I, the creator of the universe, the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, will wash your feet and show you what greatness really is. That's peace that promotes peace. That makes peace. Hallelujah. Instead of bickering and fighting and positioning and vying and trying to see who can get ahead of another, Jesus always, always, without fail, always took the role of the servant. And when Jesus did it, it caused everybody else to understand just the, just the, the uh, uselessness of their own efforts at finding advantage over each other. Hallelujah. So Jesus taught us, be a peacemaker. There is a blessing in being a maker, hallelujah, of peace. And if wisdom is first pure, then wisdom can be peaceable. Praise the Lord. The Bible teaches us this. The Bible teaches us this. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 teaches us in, uh, in the word of the Lord. It teaches us 
that we are to follow peace with all men. Verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 12. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with the ones you like. Follow peace with those who have sung your praises. Follow peace with those who are interested in promoting you. No, no. Follow peace with all men. Follow peace with the difficult men. Follow peace with the, those who are easy to get along with. Follow peace. Follow peace. When you sense the peace of God in a circumstance, follow peace. When you, when you are looking for direction, direction is quite simple to find. The direction of God is within the peace of God. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. That holiness has to do with being separated unto the Lord. And pure, separate and pure. Those are the two key words of holiness. Separated unto the Lord. When we talk about separation... Some people uh, get squirmish because they think, oh, here he goes. The preacher's going to tell me to be separated from the, the world. Listen, the doctrine of separation doesn't have only to do with being separated from the pleasures of this world, if that's what you want to call them. But it has to do with being separated from the sorrows of this world. So much sorrow comes from a lack of separation. So much sorrow comes from simply not separating oneself unto the things of God. And instead, having one foot in the church, one foot in the world. One foot in the, in the scriptures and the other foot in, in worldly entertainment. One foot in, one foot out. Be separated unto the Lord and the Lord will cover you with his peace. Not as this world giveth. But as he gives, hallelujah. And so we are able to follow peace with all men when we are separated unto the Lord. And it is being separated unto the Lord that causes the purity of God to sanctify our motives, to sanctify our conversation, to sanctify the way we treat people. We become pure by being separated unto the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm thankful today. I'm thankful today that though I live in this world, that I have, by the grace of God, been able to make decisions that have separated me from the sorrow of this world. Now, there is a godly sorrow that worketh repentance. The rain falls on the just and on the unjust. There are, there are things you're going to go through whether you're serving God or not. And, and, you, and those things are to build your faith. They're to develop your character. They're to save your soul in the long run. And so we don't begrudge those things. And we reckon that the sufferings of this present world cannot be compared to the glory which shall be revealed afterwards. However, there is a lot of sorrow that is unnecessary. A lot of sorrow comes from our refusal 
to be separated unto the Lord. A lot of peace is lost because we refuse to be separated unto the Lord. But when we will separate ourselves unto the Lord, we will find that we can follow peace with all men. Hallelujah. And we can be a peacemaker. And he will keep us in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Hallelujah. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. Verse 11 of Hebrews 12. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It is not only a fruit that grows, but it is a fruit that is sown. And as it is sown, it causes more peace to grow. You can be a peace distributor in your world, in your life, in your home. What if you took upon the role of peacemaker in your marriage? Oh, no way, because you have no clue. You have no idea. I don't have to have a clue or an idea. But I do know that when wisdom is first pure, it can be peaceable. If you will say, like Jesus, you know, Jesus went through a lot and didn't deserve any of it. If we're only going to accept the, 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 if we're only going to accept the pain that we have coming to us, bless God, and if I don't deserve it, then no way am I going to suffer through that. That's her problem. That's his problem. Thank God Jesus didn't have that mindset. Because what he went through, he deserved none of it. But because he went through it, he saved us all. Something miraculous happens when people accept the punishment, sometimes the punishment for something that they didn't even do. But they do it because God has blessed them to be a peacemaker. And they're able to step into that role and say, I'm going to take upon myself the form of a servant and I'm going to love this relationship back to life. And I'm going to love this friendship back to life. And I'm going to love this brotherhood and this sisterhood back to life. And I'm going to love what the devil thought he had destroyed. I'm going to love it, grace it, peace it, hallelujah, back to life. Glory to God. Or you can continue to... To dig in your heels and say, no, because I didn't do anything wrong. Well, you may not have then, but you're starting to now. By not letting the grace of God cover that relationship. Hallelujah. James chapter 3, verse 17. The wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then it is peaceable. And, And that's the next pillar. And you know what? If we'll allow peaceable to firmly be placed as a pillar in our in our life and in our walk with God. Then, then, then something miraculous happens. Gentle, another pillar called gentle st- comes up. And easy to be entreated. I've seen, that, I've seen that develop in people's lives. Easy to be entreated. Folks that were so unapproachable at one time. Folks that you didn't want to talk to because you knew they bite your head off. Folks that you were afraid to talk to. And then the Holy Ghost gets a hold of them. And something happens in their Walk with God, and they they are humbled in the sight of God, and a gentleness comes over them, and all of a sudden they become easy to be entreated, and they become full of mercy and good fruits. They were without partiality and without hypocrisy. And notice verse 18, the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. Of them 
that make peace. So all the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace. That's how the fruit of righteousness is sown. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. It is sown in the peace of God by those who are intent on making peace. And, 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 and don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking about compromising truth in order to have a false peace. Remember, the peace that I'm talking about is a person. Jesus is our peace. So you can't compromise Jesus in order to have some false peace. That's a peace of this world. Real peace is Christ. Real wisdom is Christ. Hallelujah. And you can have it. You can have it tonight. You can have it while you're waiting for that doctor's report that you don't know what the outcome of that will be. You can still have peace. You can have peace while you're waiting for your children's circumstances to get resolved and you don't know exactly how that's going to turn out. You can have peace. You can have peace when, you're, when your mind has been filled with worry for years and you obsessively, compulsively dwell on thoughts that make you afraid and make you dread tomorrow. You can have peace in the middle of all of that. You can have peace when you've never had peace because when the wisdom of God is first pure, then the wisdom of God is peace able hallelujah it is peace able so jesus was jesus was on this ship and he was sleeping in the bottom of the ship which i've always asked the question uh, why did they let jesus go to sleep on the ship if jesus is on my boat then he's not going to sleep he and I will be having a conversation. I'm going to be trying to figure out a lot of things. You know, I, I want to have not just a little talk with Jesus. I'm going to have a big talk with Jesus if Jesus is on my boat. But the, he was on their boat, and uh-oh, they got so used to having Jesus on the boat that they let him go to sleep. And we do that a lot. We, we've, got, we've had Jesus on our boat so long, and we just, we don't even realize he's there. He can just drift into the background of our world and, and just fall off into some slumber and we're out there fishing. Everything's fine. As long as life is going good, who needs to talk to Jesus? Am I right or am I right? That's the way some people think. Just things are going good. I don't really have a need. I don't really need to pray. I don't really need to be at church. I don't really need to worship. I remember, anybody remember 88 reasons why Jesus will come in 1988. Anybody? I, I was nine, but I remember it. I'll tell you what I remember. I remember, I remember the first 10 rows being filled with people I hadn't seen in years. I was only nine. I hadn't seen them in years. I don't know, four years, three years. <laughs> hadn't seen them in months. And, and they, man, but man, when they got to thinking about, uh-oh, Jesus coming back in 1988, they filled up. And you know what? Thank the Lord. I'm glad they were there. There's no, I, I'm not going to shame anybody. Just come to church. But, but that's the way we get. As long as life is going good, then we're all fine and dandy. But you let a storm arise. And people start reeling in the fishing, fishing line. And pulling up the, 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 the fishing lines and saying, okay, uh, wasn't Jesus on this boat with us 
Anybody see him? Where did Jesus go? And there's lightning flashing and the winds and the waves and the storm is getting out of control. And that's the way we get. We don't even realize that we, we want him or need him until the storm rises. And then we start clamoring for Jesus again. And somebody goes to the bottom of the boat and they start shaking him. Jesus, Jesus, don't you care whether we live or die? And Jesus woke up almost perturbed and said, where is your faith? Am I the only one here that has faith? Where is your faith? And he walks out to the bow of the boat and makes one of the most amazing statements in the scriptures. He says, peace, be still. Peace, be still. And I, I don't know exactly what he meant by that because that sounds redundant. You know, he didn't say it in two different languages. Peace and be still almost sounds like the same thing, but I believe... You can take it with a grain of salt, but I believe that he was addressing two different storms. And the reason I believe this is because he's done this for me before. And he'll do it for you tonight if you'll let him. He said, peace first. And then he said, be still. See, see, he can give peace to the disciples who are terrified, even while the winds and the waves... And the lightning and the thunder and the rain are all a major problem and a source of contention and a source of struggle. He can, he can give you peace. And I don't know how long it took him to say be still. I don't know if he said peace be still or if he said peace and then waited 20 seconds, 40 seconds, minute and a half, five minutes, 10 minutes, two days. Two weeks. For some folks, it's two years. But don't worry, he will say, be still. But before he says, be still, he can speak peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And while I'm on this boat and I'm still rocking and reeling back and forth and I don't know what the end is going to be, I can't explain it, but I have a peace in my soul that everything is going to be all right. And I see the lightning flashing and I hear the thunder rolling and I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little nauseous actually as I'm, as I'm on this boat. But, but he said peace and that's enough for me. I know that someday at some time in his way, in his timing, he will speak stillness to my storm. Glory to God. That's the amazing thing about peace. Now, you know what? Over in the great beyond, over in that great city, the new Jerusalem, we're going to have a peace because we will understand all things. We will know all things. The scripture says we will know even as we are known. The song says we'll understand it better by and by. When we get to glory, we will have a peace that comes from full understanding. But on this side of glory, we have the same peace. Not from full understanding, but because it passes understanding. And you can have that peace tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you know the reason we call it the Pacific Ocean is because Ferdinand Magellan, when he came upon those waters, he had come through so many vicious storms, so many horrific uh, voyaging nightmares, if you please. And when he came upon the still, cool waters of the largest ocean in the world, you can fit all of the continents at the basin of the Pacific Ocean. It's the largest ocean in the world. 
but it's cool. The waters are cool. They're not hot and turbulent like the Atlantic Ocean. They're cool. And when he came upon those waters, he said he was so relieved to have smooth sailing, he named it a Pacific, a pacified ocean. And that's what God wants to give you. I don't know what you've come from or what you're going through, but if you'll stay on this journey with Jesus, he will lead you beside still waters and he will restore your soul. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you will come upon pacified waters. And you never saw your parents come upon those pacified waters. And you've never seen family members come upon those pacified waters. So you might even have trouble believing what I'm saying. But the Holy Spirit in what I'm saying is convincing you even right now that it is the truth of God's Word. And you can hold on to it. Glory to His name. Could we lift up our hands unto the Lord right now and praise Him? Come on, lift up your hands unto the Lord and praise Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My, my, my. <laughs> glory, glory, glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now and worship the God of our salvation. Come on, just lift up a praise unto Him. Go ahead, lift up a praise unto him. Hallelujah. Tell him, Lord, I praise you and I love you. Lord, I thank you. I give you glory. I give you honor. I worship you and praise your holy name, your holy name, your holy name, your holy name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to the God of our salvation. Oh, I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I magnify your name, oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. 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 You know what I love about wisdom? It's got seven pillars. It's got seven pillars that stand strong in the face of any kind of a storm that may come your way. The wise man built his house on the rock. He had something akin to these seven pillars. He was a wise man, so he personified wisdom. And when the storm came against the house that was built upon sand, it fell. But the same storm came against the house wisdom built. And it stood. Hallelujah. Build your marriage on wisdom. Build your house on wisdom. Build your walk with God on wisdom. Hallelujah. Build your career on wisdom. Wisdom from above is first the pure, unadulterated truth of Jesus Christ. And then a miracle happens. Life becomes peaceable. Glory to God. If you want that pillar to be firmly set in your soul and in your family's life, I want you, I want, I'm going to give you a scripture if you want wisdom, ask of the Lord. If any man desire wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. And the Lord will give liberally. So here's what I want us to do tonight. I want us just, I want us just in simplicity, in simple obedience to the word of God, lift up your hands, lift up your voice, and say, God, will you give me wisdom? Go ahead, ask him. Give me wisdom. Lord, I need the wisdom from above. 
I don't know how to do this thing. I don't know how to do it. I have a lot of good intentions, but I seem to mess things up. That's not just your story. That's all our story. We have all messed it up. But oh, the wisdom of God. Oh, 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 the wisdom of God. (laughs) Oh, the wisdom of God. Oh, the wisdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Bow down before the <laughs> Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Let your spirit bow before you. Worship Him. Hallelujah. Because this is holy ground. Because this is holy ground. Come on, I want you just to praise him right now. Just praise him right now. Praise him. Go ahead. Go ahead and praise him. Hallelujah. Entertain the presence of the Lord. Entertain the presence of the Lord. Bow down before. Bow down before our God. Worship him. Him, yes, Lord, bow down before our God. Wintering, oh, yes, oh, wintering, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. holy ground so come and bow down so come and bow down bow down before the Lord worship him 